Welcome to Foundation Christian Church. We're glad that you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit foundationcitrusheights.com. If you need a Bible, we've got a couple of them, and a volunteer is going to bring you a Bible. Pastor Dennis, thank you so much for preaching on parenting. Nobody wanted to hear what I had to say on the issue. (laughs) Praise God. I'm just really thrilled that um, once you found out that it was on parenting that you just didn't leave. Uh, The reason why I say that is because um, there are many of you that say, well, that doesn't apply to me. Um, And if you believe that, then you don't understand the scripture. And that, that isn't uncommon with us. How many people have ever been in a position where, you know, where you, um, you, you feel like God has got you on a journey, and then halfway through you realize that you didn't know where you were going, right, or why you were going there, right? It's, it's the process. We sang a song, and I love this song. It says that he turns graves into gardens. How many people know exactly the path on how to change a grave into a garden? Anybody? Everybody just came to church, came up to the altar, bowed, and, and God went, Sham. you moved from a grave to a garden in that moment. Is that how that works? No, the process is so individual, right? The process, I can't tell you how God is going to save you today. I have no idea how God is going to intrude into your life. <laughs> But I can tell you that the concept and the understanding of parenting is exactly that. So the problem that we face a lot about parenting is we don't know why. And I know a lot of parents, young parents, are going, tell me how, tell me how, tell me how. And you need to know the hows. Hows are important. But the whys are the most important. The whys apply to all of us. And the series that we're talking about today is Christ in you. If we really knew what that meant, it just scared the pazoobies out of us. I don't know what a pazoobie is, but it should scare us. Christ in you means part of you, in fact, completely all of you, must die. Now, we've been told that we're to die in Christ. How many people have heard that message? Boy, we need to talk about the gospel more. Pastor, death in the gospel. We are to die in Christ. We don't like that message. We just don't. I didn't wake up, oh, I want to die today. No, I didn't. That wasn't part of my agenda. But it is specifically part of God's agenda. Very clearly, God's agenda. When Christ came in, he said, the flesh must die. Boy, I haven't even, that isn't even what I wanted to talk about today. Okay, so how does it get on there? So do I do stuff? What's that? Oh, good. Oh, good deal. It's not me. That is the first time in my life that it wasn't my problem. Okay, so, uh, but here's the thing. This is, this is what I want to look at is when Christ is, is in you, I, the problem is I don't know exactly what he is trying to accomplish, and so my, my first point is, I don't understand what God's doing, and especially in parenting, uh, that, that I'm clueless, right? Um, so here's the thing. We're, yeah, this is, this is what we're dealing with today. Watch this. 
Um, a perfect father had children who ushered, in sin, ushered sin into the world. That should give us hope, right? A perfect God didn't do it. Right? If you're not a perfect father, a perfect parent, you can raise your hand because I know you're there. But God created everything perfectly and sin still happened. That's really important to know. (laughs) A perfectly obedient child only occurred once. Philippians 2.8 says, He, Jesus, humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. That's what we are actually commemorating this season. We're not just commemorating that Jesus died, but that he was an obedient child. So let's, number two, anybody here ever been an obedient child? Is this theory not true? Only one obedient child. This is what it meant to him. So here's the beautiful thing is, none of us are perfect parents, and none of us will be perfect children, or we will have perfect children. So that's the problem. The problem is I'm not perfect, so what does God expect of me? This, this is funny. You'll never see this guy in a church, <laughs> a church slide again. This is Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm sure he's an atheist. But he said something about parenting that I thought was just rich. He said, you don't have kids with the intent of retaining a clean house. These are non-commensurate goals. Kids clean do not match. Right? Kids are sources of chaos and dis- disorder. I love that. Uh, get over the fact it is, it is because they are experimenting with their environment. Everything is new to them. See, some of, sometimes we think that our job is to take these, these glo- globs of, of just explosive energy and, and contain them into some model. That is untrue. They are wielding. Look at the mess there. And that looks clean for some homes. Right? <laughs> you should have been, oh, there's, there were days. <laughs> oh, Lord. Hey, first of all, if you need a Bible or if you need uh, notes for today, if you're interested, raise a hand. Mike's going to run and give you a Bible. We are going to get into the Bible today. <laughs> Trust me. We have to. But, but, the, but today, what I really want to do is I, I want to talk to us that parenting is truly more about the growth of the parent than the raising of kids. The Christ in you has a process. Does anybody know what Christ is actually doing? I've said this analogy before. We, we get this vision that God is, that Christ is the vine and we are the branches and, and the focus is that we're gonna be growing grapes, the fruit of the spirit. That's a beautiful thing, a beautiful lush. We have this vision, I don't know if you do, we have this vision of this vineyard and there's grapes everywhere. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Is that what God truly wants? No, he wants to take those grapes and crush them. He's after wine, not grapes. Oh, if I realize that God is in the crushing business, it will help me understand why God gives me kids. But, but let's see what God says. <laughs> let's see, what do I got here? Oh, okay. So the first, if you, if you take notes, look at, I, I did this. If you take notes, uh, this is in your handout. It says, not understanding the problem can be the problem. 
See, if I think the problem is me raising kids or me doing this or that, no, the problem is deeper. Watch. In Genesis 2.18, and, and this is, I'm just going to read it. it. It says that it is not good for man to, to be alone. In the midst of all creation, God created the stars and the, and the skies and the animals and the fish and all this. And every time it says, and it is good. Every bit of creation was good, except in 2.18, God says it is not good for man to be alone. Have you ever considered why God would create man that is deficient? Why would God create a perfect being and said he's not completely fit? Why would God do that? God didn't have to do that. Everything else was perfect. And, and really, this is a, a deep theological question is, why does God create you with needs except he wants to show you, he wants to put within you a hunger, a thirst, a dissatisfaction, a, a desire and a seeking for something that's more. God created you that way. Right? You're, not, you're not broken because you need. You're broken for a lot of other reasons. Right? You're a broken toy. But the issue is God created you not to be complete. But he also has a solution. Ready? So, and so here's the thing. Ready? In Genesis uh, 1, 26 through 31. So if you, if you have one of the black versions, it's page 3. But if you don't, it's Genesis 1, uh, 26 through 28. And listen to this verbiage, ready? He says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish and the seas and the birds and the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish and seas and birds and sky and all the animals that scurry over the ground. May I submit to you that God gave a solution to our problem in this scripture. Our problem is we're alone. But the problem is we don't really know what the problem is. See, we think the alone is our problem. The real problem is what, caught, what, what happens when we're alone. See, the problem that I don't understand, I think the problem is I'm alone, so I think I'll just get married and have companionship. I think I'll have kids because that'll bring fulfillment. I think I'll start a career because that'll give me an identity. None of that will actually solve the problem. Aloneness has an issue, but the real deep problem is we're empty. The deep problem with being alone is I'm a selfish son of a gun. I'm self-centered. I don't want to grow up. I want my way. My flesh is all about me. It always has been. It always will be. Except when Christ comes in me, there's this battle. So the solution for me being self-centered, self-absorbed, is marriage, children, 
and responsibilities. They force me to, to see that I'm a selfish son of a gun. And Christ is using those to squeeze the grapes in my life. Got really quiet. Notice that I'm not just talking about parenting. I'm talking really about what our Christian faith, our Christian walk is about. It doesn't stop when you have kids. It doesn't start, it doesn't start when you have kids and stop when, you have, when your kids leave the house. It is every day of your Christian life. God will use circumstances, people, situations that squeezes you, that exposes the truth about your life. He's going to do that. When you said, Jesus, come into my life, he said, gotcha. He did. When he said, you are now my child, he, he didn't say, you're now my child. There, there are no family rules. <laughs> right? There are family rules. So here's the thing. The first thing is if I don't understand what the problem really is, I'm going to go scurry around thinking that I can solve my own problems. The problem is me. And I don't have a good solution for me. But God gave a solution. He's going to give me relationships, marriage, parenting, responsibilities that force me to see in the mirror of my, my faults and my failures. Is that right? Is that okay? I know that's not an amen statement. I get that. I, I don't expect an amen for that. But I want us to see the truth, right? Because that's our Christian walk. Parenting is just a part of it. Our series is Christ in you. Parenting is part of that. It is not a separate thing. Well, let's talk about parenting. No, you can't talk about Christian parenting without talking about Christ in. Okay, fair. How are we doing? You still love me? Nice. <laughs> you don't have a choice. <laughs> you, you don't. You may not like me. <laughs> okay, here's the thing, ready? So the, the beautiful thing is, let's take a look. So the, the, the recap so far is that uh, the creation of man was good, but man is, uh, is alone, and, and the way that God does that is he has a solution. Okay, but, but the second part, oh, it didn't, didn't come out. That's weird. Number two is uh, not understanding the solution can be the problem. Not understanding the solution, right? <clears throat> so, so part of the thing is, when, when I look at my solution, marriage, as something that's just going to provide some companionship and comfort and all that sort of stuff, I'm not understanding what marriage is about and what it's for. When I, when I look at my kids and I think that my job is to raise my children, and, and listen, we have multi-generations. Back in the day, raising your children was... Oh, I'm sorry, can I do that on film? I'm good because I have six kids and I can do this without looking. No, I never did that with my kids. When I said, come over here so I could smack you, it was always for a kiss. Please understand. But, but the truth of the matter is, raising the kids, the solution was me telling my children how to behave. And I want to submit to you today that like marriage... Raising children isn't about me telling my children what to do, but it, I submit to you that it's really more about my personal growth than raising the children. God is more interested, and I think it's actually more valid that 
children are meant to expose things in me and force me to grow up. If I'm selfish, children who demand stuff all the time force me into behavior that I don't want to do. Mom, I'm hungry. I'm hungry, Mom. I need laundry, Mom. I need this, Dad, blah, blah. It's all blah, blah, blah. I don't want to do... Oh, I'm sorry. Confession is good for the soul. (laughs) Parenting, like marriage, exposes me. So I think the solution is supposed to take away my problems where the solution is, 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 is designed to show me my weakness. <laughs> How are we doing? Okay, so I submit to you, it's, it's designed to produce growth and maturity, um, more for the parents, I think, even, than the children. Um, so let's take a look at this. Please, I know we've got to get into some scripture. I want to do this, but let's just look at this. Maturity, what God is after is maturity is measured by the evidence of Christ in you. Well, how do we do that? You know, I mean, nobody's really wanting to look deep into you to go, well, or, or what, what is Christ supposed to look like in you? Boy, I see that guy at church. I guess Christ is in him. Right? If God is after Christ in you, what does maturity look like? Je- Jesus' divine nature is seen through godly character. What does that mean? He's a nice person? He doesn't swear and cuss anymore? He stopped this behavior? Is that what that means? Goodness, knowledge, self-control, pers- perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. That's what God's character is. So I want to take a look at the scriptures that refer to it. Notice we're, we're, going, to, we're going to be looking at Ephesians and um, probably not Galatians, but First Corinthians, or maybe Galatians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Peter. We're going to look at some scriptures. Some of them I'm going to just speak them. Some of them you get to find, right? So the first one is Galatians. It's on the board. Galatians 5.23. 2 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. There are some things we know about that. This, these are describing God's specific character. Can, there's things that we know. That is not you. <laughs> that is not your character. That's God's character. If you think you're loving, I'm going to put an asterisk that says you probably aren't loving like God loves. You're probably not joyful like God's joyful. You're probably not self-controlled like God is or faithful or good. You, you do not inherently have God's character in you. But when the Spirit of God, when Christ is in you, this character starts growing. And the battle begins and continues to the day you breathe your last. Right? So, so, but this is what, this is what marriage and, and kids and responsibilities do. They force you to see that I'm not what God wants. I'm this person and God exposes my weakness so that I say, God, make me more loving, joyful, peaceful, patient. Let your character be found in me. Paul, a, a, a New Testament pastor, says it again in Ephesians 4.15. Uh, 4, he says, 
he speaks about the growth and maturity in the church. He says, instead, we will speak of the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. That is the secret of our Christian life. I'm glad you're here today, and I'm glad you didn't walk out, but, but the secret and the goal is that you become more and more like Christ today. It is not my job to do that for you. I don't have that connection with you, with all of you, except for Steve. I can, I can mess with Steve a bit because we're related. I have a special relationship so I can mess with him over even now. And, and I can encourage, but, but the thing that's going to change you is your, is your relationships like your spouse and your children and, and responsibilities. That's what's going to grind to you to show you your need for God. Let's do this. Um, I, I want to read Second uh, Peter chapter one, verse three through eight, and it's on page ten twenty seven one zero two seven. If you want to find there, First Peter. Oh, that's not what I wanted. Oh, I went the wrong way. My bad. <laughs> Push the wrong button. But I want to read Second Peter one three through eight. This is what Peter says about our maturity. He says, his divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life. Listen, everything you need to have a godly life you already have. How many people have succeeded so far? Good. I wouldn't expect it. I, I think that... God, a godly life is one that is grown. It's one that probably undulates a bit. I wish it was a straight line. I wish, I wish the older you got, the better you got. And, and I think that maybe you can. But a godly life is something that is always in process. That's what I think. But it says, everything you need for a godly life you've been given through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. He has given that to us. Through these through these things, he has given us this very great precious promise so that through him you may participate in, in the divine nature. You are not the divine nature. <laughs> you are not divine. But you've been asked to participate in the divine nature. Notice what Peter goes on to say. You've been, you've been called to, to participate in this. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith Right, so that's what we have. That's what we start with. The only thing I have that, that, that is growing in me is this faith, but I add some things to it. So I have faith, that's, that's my part, and, and the, what, what is growing in me is this. Goodness, and no, it says, um, add to my faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. If you possess all these qualities in increasing measure, you will keep, it will keep you from, uh, from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so the truth of the matter is we grow, and, and I apologize, this is probably, this is what we're looking at. We, we grow into this aspect of 
love, or goodness, knowledge, self, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Those are characteristics of God that each one of us in Christ are, are growing in day by day. All right? So let's do this. So here's the, here's the issue. Parenting is one avenue where we are asked by faith to participate in the divine nature of God. We add our faith to God's goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, and mutual affection and love. That is, that is God's template. So that's the why. The why of parenting isn't so that you can have a comfort, comfortable or nice little baby to hold or feel like you're important or have status or have just this uh, whatever stability in your life. That's not what parenting is for. Parenting is God's method to, to cause you to grow up into Christ. I know, but that's the why of it. It's not glamorous. I want to talk a little bit now about the hows because that's what most people think parenting is. And I don't want to rush through it, but I'm going to go through it in a timely fashion. Here's the hows. There's a basic pattern of parenting, and we find it in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. And it really talks about any relationship. It can talk about inside of a business situation, inside of work situations, any sort of relationship. It says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the goal is equipping. That's part of the, 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 you know, what we're trying to do, the how of, um, or the goal of parenting. Watch what happens here. It says teaching. That is you, that, that, we're teaching that you're on a road Living life God's way. So as in dealing with your parents or dealing with somebody in the church, the first thing I teach is that you are on a path. And my job is to teach you what that path is like, what it means to be obedient to God, what it means and what God expects and desires from you. That's the first thing we do. The second thing we do is we rebuke. That means we point out, hey, you're off the road. It's, it's not a rude word. It's not a mean-spirited word. It's one that is pointing out faults. It's one of the things that says we all fail. Third is correcting. That means we pull them out of the ditch and put them back on the road. Right? And fourth is training in righteousness. And that is we continue to show them the life God's, uh, in God's way. That's the repeat so that's, that's a basic thing. That's, that's a basic thing. But I, I want to talk about some of my anecdotes. I, I want to share with you some of the things that I've gone through as a parent. Right? So this isn't. <laughs> One of the greatest gifts you can give your child is a loving and committed God-centered marriage. I can't understate that. And you might say, but I've already blown it. I don't have that. I get that. My wife and I both had families who were basically split families. She didn't live with her dad since he was like four. 
Mine, my parents, I knew they were going to get divorced when I was 12, and they got divorced after I got married, but, I, but that's the relationship they had. But when we came to Christ, both of us said that divorce wasn't going to be a word we spoke. It just wasn't. That doesn't make us perfect people, but, but we committed to be together. We understood that we were responsible to God, not just to one another. When, when my, one of my sons graduated from high school, he wrote a song and took us out in the backyard. And he said, Dad, I didn't realize until I got into high school how many of my parents, how many, how many of my classmates didn't have a family like ours. My wife and I are in tears. See, it's not magical that God's system and his ways work. So if you want to care for your children as much as possible, with the power of God, stay together. Show them what commitment means. Show them that God is working in you because most divorces happen because, revert back to the first half, where I'm a selfish son of a gun and I, I don't want God to change me. I want my grapes to be whole. And God says, I'm, I want to squeeze them. <laughs> so... The second thing I want to tell you about is angels and devils. I, I, I don't know how many times I've heard, oh, look at this little baby, such an angel. And I want to shoot them in the head. <laughs> that little child, as sweet as they are, I have a couple grandbabies, they're beautiful, I love them, but they're devils. <laughs> they are sinners that need salvation. And, and our, our goal as parents isn't, listen, I... <laughs> Our goal is to build character. Don't teach them to be nice. Teach them to want to be nice. Let them understand that sin is something in their life. Teaching them to behave. You know what that is? I don't want you to be loud. I want you to get out of my face. <laughs> Stay out of my way. Stay, go into your room. Don't bother me. I'm sorry. Again, confession is good for the soul. The, the truth of the matter is my job is to train my child and teach them about my process of repentance and forgiveness. That is, a, that is the most valuable thing I can give my child. If I just teach them to be nice, that they'll be a, a, a productive member of society and, and they won't know Jesus. It's really important for us to teach them our salvation process. What I learned from having a dog. Before, I was, before we were married, Jennifer and I got a border collie, and what I found is that that dog would not do anything that I wasn't committed to. It was an eye-opener. The same thing happens with children. If I tell my children, go do this or don't do that, if they don't think I, I think it's important, they will do their own thing. The Lord was showing me that I wanted things easy. I wanted things quick. That is not how parenting is. That is not how our Christian life is at all. Right? Raising children is more about my growth, my getting off the couch, my discipline than theirs. The other next part is no two children are alike. I'm a lazy person. 
I wanted once, I wanted to learn about parenting and repeat, 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 repeat. If you're into gardening, I'm sure there's plenty of other analogies. There are plants that require different things. If you water, if you water tomatoes and garlic the same way, you're going to ruin your garlic. One analogy is grapes. If you want if you want to grow grapes, which we don't have vineyards here, but I, I studied this where if you want to grow uh, grapes for eating, they need to be spread out and they need to have a lot of water. And you'll have table grapes. But if you're growing grapes for wine, you want to have less water and closer together. You can't change what, the, your, what your child needs. Let me say that again. You can't change what your child needs. And it's your responsibility to find out what your child needs. I'm a teacher. I'm a math teacher. That's, that's my trade. I'm retired. But, but there's a lot of teachers I, I've seen in, in academia that basically say, I'm an expert in my field, a, a sage on the stage, as they would say, and I'm going to tell you, and it's your responsibility to figure out what I say. That is the stupidest thing ever, especially in relationships. As a, as a father, it's my responsibility. As a teacher, it's my responsibility is, and my desire is to find out how you learn. What words, how I can deal with you specifically, how I can tailor this message for you. Because that's what my heavenly father did. The message I'm receiving for God is the same but totally different than yours. What I need today is specific for me, and you may not, none, you might be on a different frequency. There's 70 plus frequencies right now in this room where God is speaking this to you and this to you, and something different for me. It's very personal for me. And it's my job as a loving father, a loving parent, to learn to speak that language to my child. <laughs> no is the only fair word. <laughs> my, my children would say, can I have this? No. No, no, no. As soon as I said yes to one, I'm in trouble. Because then it's trying to even things out. I just want to tell you that that's for free. I just, like, I know that's hard. But, but the, the, the truth is, blessings and cursings, we need to watch our words. <laughs> Be, because your children will remember your words and you'll forget. We, we need to be, if you're a no person, you may need to learn to be more of a yes person. If you're a yes person, you may need to learn to be more of a no person. Balance things out. Learn to be flexible. Learn to grow, right? It doesn't mean compromise your values. It means to be sensitive to the needs. Pastor Rhodes used to used to tell me, he said, yeah, you know, when it was snow season, I would take my kids out of school and go skiing. I went, I would never think to do that. You're going to be in school. He was a yes person. I'm a no person. Right? I need to, I need to learn and grow and, and, and experience the fact that there's not just one way to raise a child. Right? 
one action, one action can split the affections of your children. We have to be really careful what we say and do. We have to understand that, that, that God is the, in the business of repairing what we break. Right? Because we're in the process of repentance and forgiveness. That is the general system that we're under. So even in in relationships, we can ask forgiveness and God can heal. But we break, I break things. That's what I do for a living. One one of the things that, the the last thing is on this one is that we can't shield our children from pain. We have to know what our responsibilities are in that. We can't shield our children from pain. Our responsibility is to teach them how the Lord heals them. They will, they will model us. You've seen it this way, where your children, your young children is out there, are out there and they fall and they hurt themselves. And have you seen the parents that just overreact? That's horrible. Usually my children would get, you know, scrape their knee and I go, oh, I see what you did. Right, I, I have to tell them that getting wounded and hurt in this world is real. But I also have to tell them that I don't overreact to, to getting hurt. That's something they can learn from me. Become an expert on raising your child. Study about your child's personality, their temperament, their, the age appropriateness, their birth order, social and cognitive abilities. You know, I don't know if you're like me. I'm just lazy. But there is so much information out there for us to learn about our children. Also about one another. Also about our parents. It's not just parenting. It's let me be a student of people that I care about. If I flip it, if I don't study my children, does that mean I don't care about them? Right? I wish I could say that I didn't miss it. <laughs> you know, listen, listen to and learn from them. My, my, some of my biggest failures is that I don't pick up when my children are throwing down. Uh, last Father's Day, I, I had lunch with a couple of my children, and one of them were saying, oh, I remember when we were in this situation, we had a bench that, that was around our, our table, and they were telling stories, and I was clueless. I said, I don't remember that. Oh, Dad, remember when you did this? <laughs> but it's important for me to encourage them to share their perspective, Right? It was uh, heart-wrenching for one of my children to say uh, at a family situation, it was a safe situation, they were, they're adults, and they said, you know, Dad, I, I really don't like when strangers hug me. Have you met me? <laughs> that was an eye-opener. It's like, my children? My child has that? And when, and when my child said, oh, yeah, and I want to tell you that another place where, I, you know, when I was going, just off the cuff, when I was going through my series, a period of depression, I was clueless. Now, I don't know when the depression hit, whether it was in high school or in college, but I was clueless about what my child was going through. Can I tell you? It's so easy to miss. 
I don't say that to condemn anyone. I'm just saying it's, it is not in my nature to, to see everything. But building relationships that, that can allow those perspectives to flow is the key to parenting. Um, our goal is parenting early on is, Lord, help me have a relationship with my children as they grow through their teenage years. Help me. Let me be as sensitive as I can. And I failed <laughs> more than I've succeeded. Listen, there's an old adage. Listen, you have, you have two ears and one mouth. Listen is twice as much as you speak. James 1.19 says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. You don't know, some of you may not know this. I didn't realize this until I grew as, as a man, how angry I was. I was an angry man. Surprise, surprise. And it really came out in my children. One of my children said one time, Dad, I don't want you to yell at me anymore. And you know what? This is the grace of God. This is not showing off. I heard what that child said and I stopped yelling. See, part of the thing that I looked at is my child was speaking truth to me and I can take that word and go, you don't deserve to say that to me. Or I can say, I can receive that from the Lord. I stopped yelling. <laughs> another, another one of my children, I was, I was just becoming the Hulk and getting animated and came face to face, eye to eye, and said, Dad, don't do it. And I went, okay. See, part of the thing that we look at in parenting is, well, I have to have this superior role, this role that, that I am the important authority and that I am dispensing my wisdom and direction of my children. If that's what you think your relationship is, you're missing half of it at least. Your children will mirror you. Your children will give you a great view of who you are. Because God is after the squeezing of the grapes. It may not look pretty. <laughs> there was a scenario with one of my sons. We'll call him Tim. <laughs> the, the story was brilliant. I, I asked him to take out the garbage. And he rolled his eyes at me. Beautiful rolling of the eyes. And he walked out toward the garbage. Right? He walked out to do the chore. And part of me, as a parent is, raised up like, and God stopped me. God reminded me to look at his feet. He reminded me this story in Matthew where the, a father had two sons and he said, listen, I, I got to go out in the field to do this chore. And the first one said, be right with you, dad but never went. And the second one said, I can't go, but he, he, he went anyway. And Jesus asked, which one did the will of the Father? And the answer obviously is the one who obeyed. What I was seeing with my eyes is this reaction. I don't want to do it, Dad. But his feet were actually doing what I asked him to do. 
I didn't read the signals at first. And God stopped me. I don't know about you. I don't always obey God immediately. One of the things that we have to look at is sometimes we we react to certain cues where God says, slow down. Let them figure it out. Let them have a response that isn't as pretty. I would much, God was speaking to me, I'd much rather have somebody be honest about they don't want to do it, but then in their heart they do it than to be this religious person, right? Okay, that's all I have. What I want to encourage us, and I think we're pretty decent, not too bad. This is way above average for me. One thing that I want to encourage you is this, as a recap. Parenting, like marriage, like responsibilities, is all about us being in Christ. Christ uses our relationships, our situations in life to expose in us our need for Christ. It's always been that way. Parenting is just one facet of it. Right? Whether you don't have children or you have children or you, your children are grown, parenting doesn't stop, by the way, does it? See, that's one thing about new parents they don't get. Parenting never really ends. Right? It keeps going. It just changes. Right? So I want to give us hope in that, that God is the author of parenting so that we would grow closer to him. And if we understand that perspective, we might have some peace in that and healing in that. Does that make sense? All right, I'll pray for us. Heavenly Father, first of all, we thank you for your goodness and your glory. I thank you that you have a solution to a problem that we didn't understand. And then when we saw the solution, we didn't understand that either. <laughs> but, but you and your wisdom um, have a desire to expose in us and reveal in us who we are, that we might submit every thought and deed and action to you. Bless this congregation, bless this word that you would be glorified and we give you praise for your faithfulness in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, If you'd like, I have some sheets in the back, just some do's and don'ts on parenting if that's of interest to you. Um, They're in the back table for you, amen. Two quick announcements before we go. Number one, next Sunday is going to be Child dedication here in the service. If you'd like to do that, please reach out to me ASAP. And at the end of the service, we're going to be celebrating baptism out in the quad. So it's going to be a good week next week. Secondly, Easter is two Sundays from today. Be thinking about who you'd like to bring. We're going to be having breakfast together at 8, the service at 9, Easter egg hunt after that. You guys have a great week. Love you. Bye.